It's always fun to talk with creative people. It's it's what we do. And then we share it. Arrow.net. A-R-R-O-E.net. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Steve Rogers. I'm good. How are you, Arrow? A- absolutely fantastic. Excited to talk to you about, about staring into nothing because I mean I just I, I grew up in that age of Tommy and things like that. And I just I'm just <laughs> so interested in, in, in basically the early stages of a of a great rock opera. Well, you're calling it great, and you don't know much about it. I'm so thankful. <laughs> well, I've I've listened to the music, and I mean, I mean, I mean, right right from the very beginning when I started listening to this. I mean, I mean, it, it like like down uh, down the hole, dramatic, yeah. dark, strong enough to pull us deeper into the story, like that of Rent. Yeah, yeah, no, um, uh, I'm happy to talk about it. It's been a uh, multi-year project to get it to this point as you might imagine and it really did begin with sort of with the with the specific intention to create a a, a rock style opera or a rock opera like the Tommy Quadrophenia days mm-hmm. and uh, even going back to when we recorded the initial source music that we're using as reference material we recorded it live um, at some studios in Hollywood which is getting more and more unusual because uh, it's so easy for people to record pieces and share electronic files over the internet. But we actually had the band in the main room at the East West Studios, which is the old Ocean Way Studios, and uh, recorded the backing tracks live over about 13 days and came out of there knowing what it was going to sound like and being 80% done. Wow. And so just that, even that experience alone was so much more rewarding than the ways that I'd experienced recording in the past. I'll never do it another way again. (laughs) So now what came first, the songs and then the story fell into place? Or did you write everything out first and then you wrote the music as as you, you know, you you did like a little manuscript and and then you built the music around it? Yeah, um, the answer is that, that the original idea for the, uh, the plot, if you will, came quite specifically from my desire to explore concepts in a, in, in a modern day context, similar to a philosophical exploration that takes place in one of my favorite books called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Hmm. And it was sort of a narrative story that was about a father and son traveling across the country on a motorcycle. And then it was interspersed with philosophical musings by the father character about what is good and what is bad in life and what is quality and why is it so hard to define when we all know when it's present in our lives or when it's not. And it was written in 1974, and I thought, wouldn't it be fascinating to try and take on some of these ancient concepts, really? I mean, it goes back to Plato. Yeah. And, and, and explore them a little bit in our modern context where we're just saturated with media, social media, um, and digital forms of communication that, to my way of thinking, have altered the way we communicate with each other yep. uh, in rather dramatic ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, l- listen to the lyrics. I mean, addicted to the phone, staring into nothing, lost our self-control. I mean, that in itself is, is a portrait of who we are today. 
Uh, you know, I, I, do, I, I, <laughs> I hate to be negative, but I think that all too often that can be the case. I mean, when, when you think about these technologies that were built to connect us, and then you walk through a restaurant and notice families sitting at a table not talking to one another and interacting with their devices, you realize something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when bringing the music to the stage, what, what has that experience been like? Because, I mean, it's almost showtime for you guys. I mean, it's here we go. Oh, this has been the the best creative experience of my life, and I am blessed with um, very dedicated collaborators. Uh, the producer Denny Fongheiser has been a uh, highly sought after session drummer in the music business for many decades, and 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 is about as seasoned of a performer as you could get. Uh, his most recent uh, gig on the road was I think he spent about five years touring with Hart as their oh, wow. uh, stage drummer and um, he produced the music originally I want to go back to your question about the music for a second because so, so I'm responsible for sort of the lyrics and the story mm-hmm. and as you can imagine it's easier to write a story um, than it is to coordinate it with the songs and so the way we approached the songs was really to write songs the way that we normally would me and my writing partner Kurt Barabas I started massaging the lyrics into them Mm. and figuring out how to how to make the songs about something and also figure out which song texture fit which moment in the narrative if I can use that term And then when we were kind of done with that process, it was about figuring out where the holes are and then very deliberately going, we need a song about this to happen (laughs) right now. You know, Um, it was hard. I I will say it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, because as you're writing this stuff, you have to think about everything that's going on within two hours of music and remember what 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 was what, what was in that song? <laughs> you know, what was in song number four? Because I think it has something to do with song number seventeen. <laughs> now, now now the video that that uh, you're showcasing on your website the the idea of just showcasing the blank faces faces that are staring off we it's almost like those that watch the video are going to see themselves in each one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I one of my visions for this this show was to have three elements all of which contributed to the story one of which was a kick-ass live band mm-hmm. uh, all of, and I wanted a band that sounded like the bands that I loved um, and I still do love and the, the second element was we wanted to have a, a lot of video presentations going on um, at the back of the stage and we're blessed with a 30-foot wide 12 and a half foot high oh LED uh, video wall that's behind the band. And then the third element was I wanted performers to take on different roles and also be choreographed through the show so that it really would be a mixture, if you will, of uh, sort of the rock ap- opera format but more along the lines of having individual actors portray individual roles. And there's a lot of uh, harmony and backing vocals that take place. And now these people on stage are doing it. So watching this actually happen 
it's just an incredible experience for me. Do you envision the idea of growing it across the country? I mean, because I mean, it's it's in the LA scene now, but but I mean, did you find yourself uh, going into other cities? Because it's the, I mean, because I want I want to be able to see this in Carolina, and I'd love to see that band with that with that video wall behind them. Yes, this is definitely perceived as an introduction of the work to an audience in a live format for the first time to confirm that, um, you know, an audience will find it enjoyable Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we can sort of put a check mark behind this can work. And uh, the intention absolutely is to take it to other places and more performances and, and grow it. Let's talk about that song, I Am Anger. I mean, this seems like something that that you were living personally or somebody very close. Because, I mean, the source of the anger, the trolls and everything beyond that. I mean, it's it's such a snapshot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the themes that, that, that we wanted to explore with that song was this idea that so much of the media that tries to get our attention in order to sell advertising naturally gravitates towards negative information yep and it tickles this thing that's called a negative buy-in a negative bias in human beings which is we tend to pay more attention to negative things than positive things so when you build a social platform and you want to increase engagement the algorithms automatically push you towards negative things and and it it blows everything out of proportion and so the level of, of fear and tension and anger that can develop over time is kind of overwhelming. Yeah. I, I, I just talked about this on iHeartRadio this morning that with, with uh, Tom Brady and with uh, Adam Levine. I said, I go, man, we, we, we celebrate the victories. But, man, the second that these guys have trouble in everyday life, all of a sudden that becomes our conversation. It's exactly yeah. what this play is all about. Yes, it certainly is. It certainly is. And, and you see it, I see it most, um, unfortunately, in young adults. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I am the father of some young adults. And I see them feeling despondent and despair and hopeless. And it just tears my heart out. Putting the music together, how, how did it fall into place? Was it, was it done organically in the way that we sat down with the guitar and we just, we just kind of ironed it out, you know, had a piano in the room and stuff like that? How did it all come together? Yeah, I am a piano player, oh. and so that is my primary instrument. I used to dabble on guitar, but I, they don't let me do that anymore. <laughs> it's harder to, I guess it's harder to find piano players than guitar players. But anyway, I sit on the guitar, and my songwriting partner is uh, Kurt Barabas, and he's a bass player. I would say that he has um, strong progressive rock proclivities shall i say mm-hmm. um, and i also enjoy that but at the same time i've always really enjoyed good melodies so you know progressive rock sometimes can lack those melodies and hooks that make it really enjoyable to listen to as opposed to sort of a, a process <laughs> and uh, and, and, and as many songwriting teams do, I think it just starts with an idea. And uh, fortunately, Kurt and I, I think, have, have enough trust in each other that neither one of us ever uh, becomes overly protective of the work. And if 
I walk in one day or Kurt walks in one day and says, you know that song we worked on last week? It sucks. <laughs> we we, we got to start over. And um, so it's an iterative process. And, um, it, you know, it just happens in so many different ways. How do you calm down the perfectionist, though? Because I mean, a musician is like an author of a book. I mean, sometimes we just have to relinquish it in order to just keep growing forward. Yes. Um, I, I guess the truth of the matter is, is that I'm not a perfectionist. And one of our mottos is that good is the enemy of great. And so, um, you know, it, it is so easy to get to fall in love with your demos. We, we even call it demo love. And it's like, yeah, let it go, man. You know, we, we need a different 16 bars here than, than what we've got to add to the, uh, the, the texture of what we're trying to accomplish here. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm blessed really to be working with a co-songwriter that is so compatible with me. And there've even been times when we've tried to work with other people, but it just, it messed that chemistry up. Yep. Yep. All right. From one musician to another musician, how long did it take you to listen to it in the car? Cause they say that's the best place in the world to listen to your songs. How long does it take? Yeah, in other words, did you go out there the second that you mixed down the first song? Go, go to the car. Go to the car, man. I want to hear it in the car. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, listen to, I listen to the mixes on uh, little, you know, earbuds, and I listen to them on uh, bigger headphones, and I listen to them in my car. You know, mixes are the most complicated thing in the world these days because people listen to music on yeah. so many different yeah. devices that have so many built-in limitations. That's so interesting that you bring that up because, I mean, so many people will sit there and say, you mean you listen to your own stuff? I said, you have to understand that it's not that I'm listening. I'm putting myself in the environment of those that will listen. And, you know, yeah. it could be in the car. It could be out on a walk. It could be. And I, and I want to know what I'm feeling in their moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's absolutely a fact that in one of those formats, you'll feel like this is perfect. And in another one, you'll That's go, right. oh, man, the, the bass is too loud. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so where can people go find more information about uh, staring into nothing? Because, I mean, like, like you said, if, you're, if, if we're going to make this a big success, we got to be talking about it. Sure. No, we've got a lot of information on our website, which is staringintonothing.com. Um, and that's really going to be the primary place. We also have, you know, the Instagram pages and the Facebook pages. I think the Instagram page is staring into. Um, it's it's pretty easy to find now with all the uh, support and, and advertising that we've been doing. If you just go to Google and type in staring into nothing, yep. I think we come up pretty quick. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I know that for a fact. <laughs> Well, Steve, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future because I, I want I want to be able to talk about the experiences that you're going to uh, going through and all that kind of stuff from you know being on stage to now what's next? What's the next step? And da 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 da. And you just keep growing. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that. One of the things that's come out of working with these performers, they're mostly young adults. I'm I'm an older character in the play, and then there's about eight people in the ensemble that are young adults ranging between 20 and 30 and it's been very gratifying for me to see them embrace the concept and they're actually adding lyrics and they're just making it live because they all live in this world and they recognize that while there are many positives that come from social media there are many negatives Mm -hmm. and they're struggling with these questions of how do i use it and where do i use it and how do I keep it from infecting the quality of my life? So true. So true. We will talk again, sir. I guarantee it. Thank you very much. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? 
Okay, bye-bye.